Welcome to Higher Potential with Indeed. Indeed's new 2022 DNI report has just gone live. It's one of the most comprehensive studies into DNI issues in Australian workplaces. Click the link in this episode's description to get your free copy. A welcoming workplace is built from the ground up with attention to diversity, inclusion, accessibility, and openness. But the way many leaders and companies approach this is often full of grey areas, uncertainty and quite possibly fear. High Potential with Indeed is here to help demystify the process through the most powerful channel possible, conversations. Groundbreaking ones too. I'm your host, Cathy Ngo, diversity, equity and inclusion changemaker and presenter. I've spent over a decade in HR, corporate affairs and communications, but I'm most passionate about pushing the boundaries relating to diversity, equity and inclusion. In this podcast series, we'll tackle the issues we face in the modern workplace, from diversity and inclusion to remote working, accessibility, fair hiring practices and more. This podcast is an initiative of Indeed.com the world's number one job site with over 250 million unique visitors every month from over 60 different countries. Before we dive in, I wish to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are meeting today and to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islanders who may be listening. I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. The pandemic has made implementing and executing effective DNI strategies challenging. With Indeed's 2022 Diversity and Inclusion Report estimating that 8% of working Australians believe that COVID-19 has made their organisations worse at managing DNI. This is even higher among working Australians from minority backgrounds, with almost one in five workers who don't speak English at home sharing this view, and 15% of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander workers. But with diverse and inclusive workplaces becoming more important for job seekers and employees than ever before, organisations that aren't implementing DNI strategies could risk losing great talent. So how do workplaces with limited budgets, especially those smaller businesses, contribute to creating diverse and inclusive workplaces? Well, in this episode, we'll look at some of the different ways you can implement effective DNI strategies at your workplace that don't place significant financial pressure on your business that can still lead to great change. Our guest this week is Christina Hawkins, Senior Manager, Organisation Development, Culture, Engagement, Diversity and Inclusion at Metcash, a leading wholesale distribution and marketing company. Welcome, Christina. Thank you, Cathy. It's great to be here. To give our listeners some insight into your role and all its challenges and opportunities, tell us a little more about your role at Metcash and what a typical day looks like. I head up culture and engagement, diversity, equity and inclusion, and I'm sure you've heard this before, but no two days are the same. (laughs) So depending on where we are in the life cycle and the business performance cycle, my day could involve engaging with the executive around strategy, really looking at our customers and how we employ our diversity and 
equity and inclusion initiatives, and also the calendar of events that really support those diversity, equity and inclusion events. You mentioned customers and also some diversity and inclusion initiatives. That's amazing because I didn't realise that Metcash, you also do that. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so we anchor our strategy to our business purpose and really that's about championing successful independence and so work very closely with our employee resource groups to go, how do we make this real for our customers? Ultimately, we exist because our customers shop in our stores and it's really making those strategies come to life. So February Mardi Gras, we might involve the stores and how we might do that. We also develop all of our strategies to support the stores. So the gender affirmation policy, which we're currently developing, will be applicable to all of the stores and head offices as well. So we don't forget the whole life cycle, which I think is the important bit. Mm, that's right, because a lot of DNIs they're just focused on the employee side as well, but, but then don't really mention much about the customers who, if we think about Metcash and supporting independence, it's what it's all about, supporting small business and independent providers. Yeah, and we know that we implement strategies at a corporate level, but really they mean something when they come to life in the stores and on the ground and at the front line, because we know that the diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives are really around creating an environment that is supportive of diversity of thought. That's good for business. That's good for problem solving. And that's important when we start to think about rolling it out to our stores and being successful. And how has the response been with the stores? Really good, really good. Some areas better than others, so some initiatives support more closely and I think it depends geographically as well and the particular community. So we get a lot of support around the Met Pride initiatives in particular and we get a lot of support around our Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander and Maori initiatives. Excellent. So effective DNI strategies have the opportunity to support, create and enable real change. Why are they so important for businesses of all sizes to adopt, particularly in the current labour market shortage? So I think with DNI, your strategies and the things you anchor to really send very loud signals about what is important to an organisation. And what they do is they enable you to use those loud signals to attract talent to retain talent and to promote talent. And as an example, if I think about that more broadly, is if you're really anchoring to successful independence and you have a DEI strategy around sustainability, then that becomes real for your customers and your people. And you have to live that when you're attracting talent. People are really looking at organisations and going, am I aligned to the purpose and do I want to work here? So it's important. Yeah, that's right. Now it's in a candidate market, isn't it? They're actually proactively seeing whether a company has a diversity inclusion policy. They're reading all these reviews. There's a misconception that effective DNI strategies come at a significant financial cost to businesses. Where did this idea come from? And is, is it true? It's difficult to say where the idea came from, but certainly we know that a lot of DNI initiatives are very visible. So when you think of very big corporates and very big events like Mardi Gras, it does come at a commercial cost to be a part of those types of events. But those are the things you see and hear in the press. It's not to say that every organisation has to create the same level of commercial investment. You can absolutely do it in a way that's real and you can do it in a way that it means something to your organisation and you can start small. 
I think those misconceptions really come from the things we see in the media, but it's not every organisation that has to play in that space. You can still do a really meaningful event and really support a meaningful strategy without being part of the very outwardly focused events. Mm, There's a real danger in being, I guess, tokenistic. How do you know what sort of stage you are at in terms of your DNI journey? If you were a DNI professional, you want to implement so many things, but certain pockets of the workforce might not be ready for that. So how do you know which pockets are ready and the appetite for change? I would start with some sort of measure, and that can be an informal survey. It can be something as simple as a survey monkey that you run internally or just informal focus groups. But find out what's important to your employees and where they're at, how willing they are to get involved and what they want to support and to what level they want to support. Secondly, I would engage the executive. You need tone from the top. If you don't have support for tone from the top, it's very difficult to execute business strategies effectively. And thirdly, I would link it to your business strategy. So think about what's important to you. If you have a particular focus on the environment, then think about a DNI strategy that really focuses on sustainability, recycling, the environment. If you're particularly focused on culture, then think about how you can incorporate the different cultures that are represented in your organisation. Particularly focused on community, how might you get involved with the Pride community, for example? So I would test some of those ideas and then I would go out to the employees and talk about the things you want to do and ask for champions. Who wants to get involved and to what extent? And I think that's the easiest way to do it. And finally, I would talk about really articulate the purpose. What are you trying to achieve when you look at your DI strategies and how are you going to measure success? And it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be very simple, but it's what's important to you and then track it. It's really promising to hear that there's a lot of support from the exec team for the DNI strategy. But when it comes to smaller businesses or at a smaller scale, how can they go about having their own DNI policy? Where can they start? What would be your advice? I would start small and pick one initiative. As I said, I would link that to the business strategy and do only one thing and do it well and then use your employees to really create momentum. So I would create a purpose, communicate that. I would link to some sort of DEI calendar of event. So if you're particularly supportive of communities and want to work with the Met Pride or with the Pride community, we work with Met Pride, obviously, I would anchor to February Mardi Gras, June Pride Month, October coming out day and pick three or four key events annually that you anchor to. If you're really supportive of the environment, then I would work to Earth Hour, Global Sustainability Day. I would work to what's the recycling policy? How do we really internally think about our footprint? Perhaps think about an internal policy that creates less need for printing on paper and create the strategies that really support it and send loud symbols that it's important to you. And then I would get employees involved. It's also really helpful to use your employees' social media if they're passionate about a cause and they're happy to champion and advocate for you, that can become an effective communication strategy. You don't need to be doing all of that. They will create momentum for you if they're on board. Mm, That's true. Well, they can do all the hard work and the advocating. In saying that, would you recommend like a social media policy to, to provide some framework around that? Or do you provide them with some sort of script that they can post on social media? 
because sometimes people might inadvertently say the wrong things, even though their hearts are at the right spot. We haven't had any instances of that, actually. We do provide a corporate statement that people can either retweet or repost, depending on what social media platform they're on, for those that feel comfortable doing it that way. But we also encourage people to take their own selfies, take photos, put their own tags on it and create their own momentum. We find that people come from the right place. They want to spread the message. They want to show support and they want to let their followers know what's important to them. So that sort of creates a mind of its own. And it's been very helpful. Amazing. Now, is there a common mistake or a pitfall that small businesses fall into when starting the process of creating a DNI strategy? Is there anything that small businesses need to look out for? I think the most common mistake I see is trying to do too much too soon. And I think that's because of pressure from the market, pressure from what other bigger organisations are doing and not being able to create the sustainability around it and the momentum I think can be a pitfall. So I would pick one, maybe two things, and I would build on that every 12 to 24 months. I have seen a lot of businesses try to do so many things all at once because it's just the nature of a DNI, and i isn't it? There's just so many identities and so many fabulous initiatives that's happening every day almost. There's just so many events going on. But I love your advice on pick one or two initiatives that are important to your people and then just implement it and then review every 12 to 24 months. It's also important to remember that your employees tend to do these DEI initiatives over and above their day job. So don't make it onerous for them. So they have busy day jobs. They're not necessarily dedicated to just DEI events. And so starting small enables them to create space in their five, six, seven day shift that they do to support it. And they can build on that. With DEI initiatives, they tend to be part of what the organisation anchors to. We would create employee resource groups. We might call them employee diversity champions employee diversity advocates and they tend to come along because it's important to them and they want to support it and they do that for one of two reasons they either affiliate with the community you're creating sustainability being mindful of the planet recycling pride they might have an affiliation either identifying as LGBTQ plus or have a family member or friend and therefore they want to be a part of that. They may be a a part of an Indigenous group and want to be part of it or they may be part of a cultural group and want to celebrate Harmony Day and those kinds of things. So that's why I say it's important to anchor it to your strategy because it needs to connect with the hearts and minds of your people in order to be really meaningful. What are some of the ways retail employees can get involved with these employee resource groups because they've got such busy roles during the day and now with the labour market shortage, there's a lot of pressure. So how do they get involved? What are some strategies or ways that they can get involved in a meaningful way without being too involved in terms of meetings and that sort of thing? So I usually get my team to produce a comms pack that gives our employees and our customers and stores ideas on things that they can implement. And we usually work with the relevant organisation of what we're celebrating. So where at Purple is coming out, it's a great fundraising opportunity. And so what we do is we give them an opportunity to fundraise for that particular organisation, to buy some of the merchandise that they produce in order to support the organisation going forward, but also to send loud signals. So we put posters up around the stores and 
some of our stores get involved in initiatives like a purple donut, donating money from a particular chocolate that has a purple wrapper, those kinds <laughs> of things. So it's interesting, you put out one thing and that tends to grow. Um, and then you'll find that your employees will start to create that momentum. So we've had members of the executive go, we know this is coming up and I'm donating some money for it. I love that because it's coming up with creative solutions. There's so many ways to get involved. The other thing we do is we really encourage our employees to take selfies. So when they're next out in a store and they see the purple donut or they see the poster, take a selfie with that in the background, post it, share it, tag us, and that creates momentum. But it also adds to what I was talking about earlier, sending those loud signals. It's those things you do that really say what it is that's important to you without you having to say it's important. And I think those are the things, just to go full circle, Cathy, to the point you made, earlier about the candidate market, those are the things that candidates are looking for. We're starting to hear our candidates say to us, what are your values? Can I have a copy? Can I have a copy of your mission statement and your vision? Can I understand how you get involved in the community? Because candidates are now getting picky and they want to align, and all of the research is telling us, they want to align to an organisation where they feel connected to purpose. Um, and in particular, as we're starting to see the new entrants coming into the market, there is a new level of, I want to work for an organisation where I feel connected and where I feel I'm part of, and I have a choice, and therefore I'm going to choose my employer as much as they're choosing me. And so we're having to be a lot more mindful of what we do as an organisation and how we show up. Because if we don't attract the right talent and we don't retain the right talent and we don't promote the right talent, we know that we're not going to achieve on our strategies. That's exactly right. And I'm thinking about the Gen Z that are coming into the workforce who I know that there's some people who push back on them and say, oh, you're so demanding. But really, I'm thinking I'm a millennial and I think, wow, I wish I had some of your guts <laughs> because I would have never thought about asking these questions. I would passively look up the internet or go through reviews and that sort of thing, which isn't always the most accurate snapshot. But then just asking boldly that the question is great. I think it's a great thing. So advice to all the organisations listening out there that have all those policies in place to make sure that you have it at hand whenever they ask. Yeah, and I think that's a great example. We had a candidate recently come through the process and ask us for Thursdays off. And when we probed a little longer, it was about he does yoga on a Thursday and that's important to him and he wants to continue doing that. But he would like to work with us and he would like to continue the process of recruitment. And so that prompts the thought, does our flexibility policy need reviewing? Now, we're quite lucky at Metcash because we're quite supportive of flexibility and always have been, but it's that opportunity and those signals coming through from the market that prompt us to relook at our policies, refresh them, look at, is there an opportunity for improvement here? Can the job be done differently? Can the job be done from a different location? It's about talent anywhere, anytime. So how do you deal with managers who actually push back on it? Look, some conversations can be tricky. It's really about the awareness and challenging the role. COVID has come a long way to helping us. The conversations around flexibility have completely changed because there were roles in previous years that we said could never be done from home. And COVID forced us to think very differently because we had to all work from home. Obviously, notwithstanding the roles where you're at the front line and having to 
pack food on shelves to get it to the consumer, that can't be done from home. We know that there are complexities around shifts, but absolutely we've had to think more creatively around how those shifts are managed, what the timings are and what's suitable. And that enables us to attract different talent. And some people might prefer late night shifts or weekends. So it's really easy to set diversity goals and accountabilities, but what are some of the key steps to making sure it actually happens? So you mentioned earlier, sometimes organisations do too much and too soon, and I guess it could be the same with goals as well. So how can we prevent failure from happening? So I would absolutely articulate the purpose and what you're trying to achieve around that particular initiative. And I would agree the metrics. And I would review those initially every 90 days and check in on them. Once you've got a bit of momentum, you could probably move that to a six-monthly cycle and see how you're tracking. Now, if you're feeling like at the 90 days, you're not quite where you want to be, there's an opportunity to course correct. Do you push some timelines out or do you reduce some of the things that you want to do achieve? And you just continually course correct until you find the right momentum for the business. Great. So review every 90 days and then if it's working, switch it to six monthly. Absolutely. Excellent. And different perspectives lead to more diverse workforces, as we know. Is this something employees need to keep in mind when hiring or establishing leadership teams? I think you've hit the nail on the head with this one, Cathy. We do diversity, equity and inclusion, not because it's a nice to have and not because it makes you look good. You do it because you know that when you have diverse perspectives, you have better problem solving. Research tells us that when you've got people around a room that have a diverse perspective, what you have is better innovation and you have better results. And that's obviously good for people and it's good for business. So it's absolutely imperative. Is identifying diversity conflict in the workplace an important element in creating a DNI strategy that's proactive, not just reactive? I think identifying conflict is something that's important regardless of whether it includes diversity or not. Finding a way to move productively through conflict is probably key to any teamwork. So I would encourage that regardless of whether you're really anchoring to DEI or not. So what sort of conflicts do you actually see? Because not everyone would necessarily agree, sadly, not agree with some of the, let's just say, Met Pride initiatives. So how do you deal with all that that pushback? So we don't get a lot of pushback around any of the employee resource groups, but what we do find is that some people anchor to one more than the other. So if they feel that they really want to support the Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander initiatives, they may focus more on those um, pieces of work than they might with Pride. Equally, for those that are more affiliated with the Pride community, they might focus more on the initiatives we do in that space and less in the other space. We don't dictate the amount of time employees spend. We ask them to affiliate to the one that they connect with the most and support that. But we certainly don't dictate how that looks. We let the employee do that on their own accord. So I really like Metcash's approach where it's kind of like, hey, you're invited to the party, so... If you want to have some snacks or donuts or chocolate, you may if you want. But if not, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And 
What you also have to plan for, though, when you start to think about the DEI strategies, you can create a lot of momentum and then not be able to meet it. So I got a phone call in the car on the way here to say, I need this many Met Pride tote bags. We're doing gift bags for everybody on all the leadership programs. Where are they? And I'm like, I don't think we've got enough. I have to print more. So we're on the phone to the printers going, how many bags can I have by next week? So you can also create a momentum and not be able to meet it. So it's that that double-edged sword. But it's a nice problem to have. And then also, how do you really allow employees to drive some of this themselves? So our WA business is very supportive of Purple Bra Day, and that's a breast cancer awareness charity specifically based in WA, and that's just happened in the last few weeks. And all of our men and women wear purple bras on site, and they send us lots of photos, and they do all the purple food, and they raise money for breast cancer. So we allow each state and business to also anchor to what's important for them. Oh, well done. I would love to see a photo of that. I've got some photos which I will share with you, Kathy. Oh, amazing. I look forward to it. The final question, which is how we finish every episode of Higher Potential with Indeed, is what will it ultimately take to ensure a better and more inclusive workplace in the future? I think it's doing more of what we're doing. We're on the right track. It's just keeping that conversation going. And I think we will have achieved it when the conversation can stop. It's no longer a focus and it is just the way we are. You walk into a workplace and diversity, you hear diversity and people feel free to speak up and be themselves. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Christina. Thank you, Cathy. Thank you for listening to Higher Potential with Indeed. Before you go and start building a better workplace, don't forget to hit subscribe and leave a review if you found this podcast helpful. If you'd like to read our full DNI report, click the link in this episode's description and fill out the form. Just a quick note, the views and opinions expressed in this episode by the guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Indeed. Additionally, the information in this episode does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all content we discuss is for general informational purposes only, and you should consult with a legal professional for any legal issues you may be experiencing.